Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sonia Leeson and you're listening to the Love Mondays podcast, The Power of Resilience, stories of struggle and success from inspiring entrepreneurs. In this series, I will be interviewing business leaders, entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about their incredible true life stories and how they overcame adversity to build a killer business that makes a real difference in the world. Stay tuned to learn more about their game-changing strategies which took them from struggle to success. On this month's podcast, I interview Serena Sabla, co-founder of Whole Shift Wellness, a company that specialises in creating bespoke programmes for busy and time-pressed leaders and CEOs in order to get them to their most fit and healthy within one year. Serena's story begins when she was eight years old after her father got very ill. He was a very successful business owner juggling career and family life until bipolar disorder meant he lost his multi-million euro business with huge consequences for the whole family. Serena is now passionate and driven in her approach to business and in bringing wellness to the workplace. Here's her story. Hi, Serena. How are you? Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, darling. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. It's been a long time. We've been chatting about this for a while and um, I can't actually remember how we, we got in touch, but I think it was via social media and I just heard about your story and thought you were absolutely perfect to come onto the podcast. So do you just want to tell us a little bit about what you do um, yourself and Whole Shift Wellness? Absolutely. Um, I'm the co-founder of um, Whole Shift Wellness. It's a wellness coaching company. We specialize in bespoke programs for busy and time-pressed business owners and CEOs. Mm. Um, we have um, over 20 years of combined experience in, in the industry and this has allowed us to develop a proven methodology which will get you to your most fit, healthy and confident self within one year. It's really interesting and brilliant, absolutely brilliant, by the way. I think there's such a massive gap in the market being a business owner myself. Um, it's really hard to try and fit everything in when you're running a business. I'm a single mom. You're trying to get fit. You're trying to eat right. You're trying to do all of these things as well as spinning those plates. And it, it, it does become a massive struggle. Um, how did you kind of, so you, you said you worked with CEOs. How did you kind of get into that? Did you do that as employed beforehand or? Well, actually, I have a whole other um, background before I got into wellness in the corporate world. So I have first-hand experience of how difficult um, it is to juggle it all myself from the other hand, you know, from being a busy and time-pressed um, professional in the corporate world. And so I was a, I'm very present to the inherent struggle and difficulties. Um, then myself and my husband, uh, we've been working in the wellness industry, like I said, for over 20 years combined. And we've traveled across five countries and, and I've had the pleasure of, of contributing to the well-being of um, over 500 professionals. Wow. And yes, it's a, a massive, massive experience pool, which has allowed us to identify really the most common mistakes that are made and how to prevent them and really commonalities that transcend geography and age and, you know, a profession as in like sector that people work in. And, and it was, it's been so empowering to be able to identify a clear methodology that cuts through those, those commonalities and, and really delivers 
profound transformation, then the reason why we specifically um, choose to work with, with business owners and CEOs well, it's firstly, it kind of just, it happened that those were the people that uh, were most attracted by um, our approach and our methodology. I think it's because it's, although, like I said, there is quite, a, there's a proven methodology behind it, it's still quite a bespoke approach. Yes. So we tackle the individual's unique needs and wants because, you know, although we all have a lot in common, we're also all very unique. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of things do you find? Um, you said that they cross borders and age and, and everything else. What kind of issues do you tend to find that CEOs have? Well, one of the most common ones is, for an instance, most of them um, are very present to the fact that they're not fulfilling their potential when it comes to their health and well-being. And they, they know uh, that, you know, the change needs to happen. And, but they fail to take a step in a new direction, any first step in a new direction. They see it as such an overwhelming piece of work. Yeah. And, you know, society doesn't help because we're bombarded with a lot of conflicting information. So we actually generally sometimes don't know where to start from. Yeah. And that causes us to freeze in one spot and never actually, never actually take action. That's probably the single most common one we see happen time and time again they know they need to change they know it keeps getting worse and and you know they, they're very present they're really quite present with what an impact he has on their life and their work but they just have too many plates spinning and it's just the extra one that they can't even begin to tackle I'm sure there's a lot of guilt there where they feel as though they should be working or they should be spending time with the family or they should be doing this that and the other so spending time on themselves is kind of pushing yeah. this Hundred percent. So that's another one that we see happen time and time again. Is they fail to recognise that it is a priority. You know, it gets pushed mm -hmm. to the back burner because they feel that there simply is not enough time in the day to do something about it. And you know, and that's because probably the second most common one is, is that once they decide to get started, and and these you see this in January, <laughs> it's the typical New Year resolution. Yeah. Right? They change too much at once, so they kind of go at it with a vengeance and decide that this is the year and everything is going to change. And so they actually go too far out too soon and create this scenario of change that is unsustainable yes. in the long run. And that's why two weeks in, everybody's kind of dropping off like flies because yeah. it's, it's not sustainable. You can't go from not going to the gym and only having takeaways to eating salads and going to the gym five times a week because it's just not sustainable, is it? No, 100% not. <laughs> so how do you help your clients? What are the things that you kind of put in place for them? So um, our extensive experience has allowed us to create these five steps proven methodology, which we apply to what we have been able to identify are the three pillars of well-being. So imagine your well-being like a tripod is a structure with three legs um, so what happens to a tripod if even just one of the three legs is weaker than the other yeah it'll fall just if it'll, it'll fall over and what we see busy professionals do time and time again is, is that they're all doing some good things across one maybe even two of the three pillars but most of them are neglecting at least one of them. And what are, the, uh, and what are they, those three pillars? So the, the first most important one is focus. Yeah. 
the second one is food and the third one is fitness mm. focus food and fitness so you see that they think that in order to achieve uh, greater results they need to do a little bit more of what they're already doing so, so if they're going to the gym two times i think they need to go four times or if they're eating well three days a week they try and eat well five days a week but they fail to recognize that actually they need to take care of all three pillars at the same time somehow in a systematic way so that the three legs are going stronger together and and the structure sustains itself yeah absolutely and you're not just focusing on one one day one another week and one another week it's kind of right across all of them really interesting what kind of results do you get for the people that you work with oh my gosh i mean it's that's the that's the best part for us it's yeah. the part that really kind of just to think about i guess goosebumps to think about some <laughs> of the transformation that we've been able to witness i feel so blessed for, for what i do because what tends to happen actually because your well-being is so deeply intertwined and interconnected with every other area of your life literally um, we've witnessed transformations that have transcended just that specific area. Like people have literally transformed their lives because you apply the same approach to everything else that you do. Essentially, once you grow as a human being, you're not just growing in one area, you're growing as a whole. Absolutely. It impacts so many other areas, doesn't it, when you work on everything. yourself? Everything. Yeah. It impacts everything. It's, it's quite amazing to witness relationships work family everything there is not one area that that, that is not positively impacted yeah absolutely um, and how did you get into this and i was lucky enough to watch your little movie so i want to talk about that as well but can you just give us a little bit of an overview of of kind of how you got into this space so like I said, I had a, um, a previous career before I got into wellness. I worked in, in corporate fashion for uh, over 10 years, really, actually 12 years almost. And then I went through, you know, a, a bit of an eat, pray, love <laughs> year in my life. <laughs> yeah. Where I, I discovered yoga and, and through practicing yoga, I started to really become very present with the profound impact that our, our health and well-being has on on our life and i decided to become a yoga teacher big, bearing in mind big change from yeah, corporate very big change and, and quite cliche actually but i'm still i'm yeah, still proud of it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so bearing in mind i ha my my inherent interest in health and well-being started very 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 young you know and, and this probably ties in with my project that you've already touched on i my father was a, an incredibly successful business owner and and he started off this business with and essentially actually invented a profession that didn't exist before his time wow yeah so he was incredibly successful however he did not have the tools to handle the stress of you know a young family and a and a business with um, a dozen employees and even more at times and and he was in the creative field so his job required him to always come up with new creative ideas as well mm. and i and unfortunately he crumbled under the pressure of all the demands of his life and career and and got very sick uh, and i now i realized that he simply didn't have tools in him, in his in his toolbox to be able to take the best possible care of himself. 
Yeah. And that's, that's what planted the seed of health and wellness in me at a very young age. I was very driven to not make the same mistakes that I saw my father make. And then eventually, once I became a health um, and wellness professional, uh, I, was, I, I still am profoundly motivated to not have leaders make those mistakes themselves. And that's why we specialize in, in particular in helping and empowering business owners and, and CEOs. And there's nothing like a personal story to kind of mm. really drive that why. And he was, he was quite, had severe bipolar, you think now, yes. um, but he yes. wasn't necessarily diagnosed, was he, when you were a lot younger? No, unfortunately, no. With mental illness, you know, the diagnosis can come too late and it's tricky to obtain because it's an illness that's, uh, that can start off quite in quite a subtle way and it's so deeply intertwined with your personality as well. And, you know, I, I grew up in, in Sicily in the 80s, so it wasn't necessarily like uh, a very well-addressed and known uh, illness yeah. at the time. Yeah. So just the sheer process of getting a diagnosis was uh, very, uh, very hard. But also even after the diagnosis, it's just handling it. It's every, it was very new to everybody. And it's in general, I find mental health is very tricky to handle. Yeah, and with not a lot of support um, and, you know, mental health services being extremely stretched. I mean, I can't speak for Sicily, but definitely. Oh, my gosh, had, terribly. I can terribly. imagine that Sicily, yeah, yeah is, is going to be even, even more so. Yeah. What, how old were you when he kind of started to show symptoms of uh, mental health oh, issues? Gosh. I mean, if uh, we've talked about this now with my family, my uncle now is absolutely certain that he was showing signs as early as you know his childhood. Really, yeah. if, and now in hindsight, we're able to look back and see that he was always he was always quite weak in that sense, and he was always quite vulnerable from a very very young age. Uh, um, then for many years, everybody thought that there was just a personality trait until it really manifested itself. And so the, the official diagnosis happened when I was eight years old. Mm. And, but see, even then, you know, then it didn't necessarily help right away. It took a lot of trials and tribulations for my family to learn how to handle it. And to be honest, we're still learning on the daily. Like yeah. there isn't a handbook for it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, what kind of behaviours was he displaying? You know, looking back, what were the kind of telltale signs? Yeah, when he was very young, he was very introverted and he was very shy and he was um, very sensitive and always verging on the line of depression uh, mm. in his private life. However, in his public life, especially once he started off his own business and started becoming successful, he was always showing this very, this extremely outverted um, personality, this very ongoing, in-your-face, almost attention-seeking type personality. So there was always this kind of disconnect between um, how, yeah, between these two ways of expressing himself in the private life and in the public life. And I mean, if we look back now, and these are obviously things that I don't know firsthand. This is things that I know from conversations I've had with my family, because my memory of my father is of him being ill. Unfortunately, I don't have many memories of him before he got ill. Mm -hmm. But my uncles tell me that he was always showing these two very extreme 
sides how do you think that affected you growing up I mean you've said that you've been really driven to not go through the same thing yourself and, and yes. obviously now with your business to help other people how do you think yes. it, it did affect you I mean that's a very positive lesson for you to have learned sure I mean it didn't come right away there was no I can imagine there. yeah <laughs> there were definitely there were definitely hard years and difficult years and well first of all I you know, when your father, which is supposed to be, you know, the pillar, especially for a young girl, you know, the father figure is supposed to be, you know, the, the strong, the strong person and reference mm. in their lives. And I didn't have that reference in my life, which was very traumatizing for many years, but it allowed me to tap into my own self and not look out for support and help and guidance. And from a very young age, I, re- I realized that I had to find the strength within myself to overcome challenges and difficulties and find the answers to big questions, etc. Not because my mom wasn't there. She's, she, she most definitely was and has been brilliant, but she was also dealing with a lot herself. Mm-hmm. So I grew up pretty fast and became very independent very fast because I also have a younger sibling as well. So there was also the added element of taking care of my sister. And I didn't pro- I probably, uh, it's, it's safe to say that I didn't have your usual kind of um, childhood and, uh, and adolescence. And I went into work as soon as I finished school um, at 18 years old because I felt that I needed to, you know, take care of myself and not be a burden to my family, etc. So I was very driven and independent from a very young age. Um, and it's really interesting, isn't it, that you kind of took that that drive, but actually that's mm. what ultimately would have driven you probably to suffering yourself from mental health problems because you were working in a really high-pressured corporate career, um, mm. very driven and, you know, not really giving yourself much of a break, which is obviously mm. where a lot of business owners are, a lot of corporate uh, professionals, executives. It's a tough one, isn't it? It kind of almost... It's- trips you into the same cycle it's a double-edged yeah it's definitely a double-edged sword for sure it's 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 a it's an amazing tool if you know how to use it and not abuse it in particular Uh, it can be it can be such an amazing tool but it's true it can very easily become your greatest weakness as well and that's why going back to my own personal journey when I discovered yoga and I this which really allowed me to go inwards even further and and take care of myself in a completely new holistic way that I didn't even like I didn't even know before that's really what allowed me to become even more present with my with my with my needs and and really transform this tool into the the most productive one and not suffer from it it's 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 crazy isn't it that we kind of we run so far away from the thing that we're scared of and that we don't want but actually we end up running right into it (laughs) literally literally you are spot on you're absolutely right and you know once you see it you actually because I own it now I have absolutely no regrets and I can genuinely say that 
and I can honestly finally say that, but it's taken me 20 years, you know, <laughs> yeah. if not more, uh, to really feel it in my heart. I'm not just, I was saying it with my words for many years, but not really feeling it in my heart. Now I can genuinely feel it in my heart that I, I am grateful for everything that has happened to me, even the hardest of, of difficulties and moments and challenges. But there were many years when you're absolutely right. I was running away from them and I was still in that victim mentality of, of, you know, why me and why did this have to happen to me? But then once you flip it on its head and own it, it now I, it gives me an edge over many other professionals out there because, well, first of all, I'm a great practical psychologist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Experiential, experiential advice. I have an experiential degree, probably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I always say I could have had a PhD by now if I'd have yeah, learned everything yeah. in university that I've learned. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But also, I, um, you know, what genuinely what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So um, I have just a, an added, an extra layer of strength and determination and passion and drive that and also I think you've got a softness and a kindness that comes mm. with that empathy of yeah. feeling and and having that why and being on the right path and I've been obviously doing these podcasts for a little while now and speaking to people about their stories and the thing that I've learned is as soon as people decide that they're going to stop fighting against what mm. life has given to them. And as soon as they get on that path and they're like, right, okay, this is obviously where I'm supposed to be going. As soon as they mm. get on that path, things just run a lot more smoothly. You know, you, you mm. can end up being quite grateful for it because you do realize that the things that you've been through are now the things that are kind of spurring you on and, and you're attracting the right types of people because of it. And it's, 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 it makes it a much nicer place to be, I think, that when you're trying to fight against it and almost pretend it hasn't happened or be somebody different or um, yes. struggle on it makes it tougher I think for sure and I think I believe also that only when you truly own it and when you're not when you're not in that victim space any longer can you have real compassion for those who are not quite there yet mm. because for for as long as you're not quite there yourself you're almost a little bit angry about it on an unconscious level and sometimes the anger manifests itself as a lack of patience and compassion towards those who are dealing with difficulties themselves but i think once you genuinely own it and you're at peace with it and 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 you're complete with your past as much as possible anyways then you can really 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 feel and tune into the compassion for those who are not quite there yet and and genuinely be of service to them yeah, absolutely and I think it does mean that you do need to own it yourself because if you've got like you said your own little feelings that are still niggling away it makes it really difficult but when you have owned your story I think you can be hugely more empathic and understanding and I think it does give you an extra edge I think especially when you're working with people I think it mm. gives you a bit of a, a competitive edge maybe over people mm. just because you can build rapport like genuine rapport as well and you actually care about them and I think your your why is so strong into your business that I think it, you know it really will help people align with what you're doing because you know on your website it's really clear um, and your movie I just want to speak to you about your film because you actually got your family interviewed your family didn't you about mental health problems and mental health yes stuff. how did that kind of come about uh, yeah I mean that's that was an incredible <laughs> achievement that even took yeah. my, me by surprise because it started off as a project uh, as a family project essentially um, 
which, um, I, you know, I was doing a lot of self-development. I always do a lot of self-development, but this specific course that I did a couple of years ago asked me to create a non-profit project of sorts for, uh, to positively impact a community of my choice. And it became obvious to me right away that the community I wanted to have a positive impact upon was my own family because oh. I could see how the difficulties of dealing with my dad's illness had started to drive us apart instead of bringing us closer together. Mm. Um, so I wanted to create a little something that would just give them the space to share in on their experience without any judgment, without any problem needing solving, without any kind of immediate urgent need, just for the sheer joy of sharing and letting it out and, you know, even venting to a sense. Yeah. Um, and honest, learning and something new. Yeah, completely honest, completely authentic, um, no alternative motive, just pure open communication and learn something new about each other as well you know because you tend you think you know your family so well but if you always have the same conversations in the same tones and for the same reasons you only know a part of them you don't know all of them and sometimes they're so close you can't have those conversations with them and that's the mm -hmm. thing that really struck me when I watched your film was that it's so brave for anybody <laughs> to go to their family and go hey actually how did this affect you you know how mm -hmm. because you're so emotionally invested yourself and they're so emotional sure. and I don't know it how was terrifying I can imagine I, I can imagine <laughs> and I actually I want I won't lie to you I will say in true honesty that I went into it probably because I, I felt that most of them would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> so you were hoping you'd be able to go, oh, well, I tried. <laughs> uh, yes, that's right. It's because the, the thought of, of all of them agreeing and then having to take the project further to begin with was actually quite daunting and overwhelming. So I thought, oh, there's no way they're all going to say yes. So I'll have this little bit of a conversation with them. But but that will be it for, for the and then part. I can take the moral high ground and I can just sweep it into the car <laughs> <laughs> isn't it fascinating what we yeah. did to ourselves complete awareness of what I was doing as to what I had to do anyway and and but they all surprised me and said yes without even having to ask twice they all said yes and so then I was like oh okay Half so of I you have to do it, <laughs> and the other half's like, oh, okay then. But by then it was too late, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to run with this and see where it goes. How many were there? Because there was a, an uncle, a sister, and your mum. Um, yes. How many family members in the whole third? Um, two uncles participated. My auntie participated. It, you know, I, I even interviewed my father himself, although it doesn't show in the movie but he was also interviewed and, and my grandma and then my mom, my sister, my cousin and myself. So nine people. How was it for your dad out of interest? Because he wasn't in the film, was he? So how, what, you know, what was his kind of take on it? And, and is, was he well at the time or was he still struggling? He was in, a, in one of his quiet moments when we, sh when we shot the, the footage, um, he was, um, he was okay. Um, it wasn't particularly up or particularly down, which is always ever temporary for him. So, um, but we were lucky that we caught it at that moment. The reason why we decided to not use the footage of his interview in the end is because I really wanted to shed light 
on the experience from the perspective of of the family members rather than the individual himself i was very clear on that being the goal of this specific project not because my dad's experience is not is not important if of course it is but i feel like that requires a movie in and of itself you know? yeah <laughs> so yeah i just wanted to niche in on my family's perspective and uh, but you know the whole experience was incredibly cathartic and therapeutic for us as a, mm. as a community, like more than I could even imagine, including him, to be honest, because the thing with mental illness is, is that you're so caught up and wrapped up in your own thoughts and your own reality and your own stories about your life that, which to be honest, it happens to all of us to some extent, but for yeah. him, it's, literally, it's chronic. For him, it's literally like he's, stuck in this rambling mind Mm. he's always been very unaware and not very present with the reality around him and the movie made it uh, impossible for him to ignore the reality around him all of a sudden he had to well he chose to view it he didn't have to but he uh, he chose to view it and and that made him quite present with everything that was going on outside of himself so I can imagine was, that was massively either triggering or healing. I can imagine it could have gone one of two ways. It either triggers people yes. or it heals people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, he went through both. So mm. the initial reaction wasn't particularly pleasant. But then once he digested it, um, he was able to grow, learn and grow from it as much as he possibly can given that you know he's still unwell and so that was another thing that made the whole thing quite scary for me not only was I you know opening up this massive kind of worm with my family members but I was also wondering how my father would have would have taken it given that he's completely unpredictable and I had to come to terms with the fact that I had no control over his reaction and he would have, it could have, like you said, it could have easily gone either way. And, and I had to just accept that that was a possibility and go and go for it anyways. I mean, so many families and anybody that listened to the previous podcast with Matt Holden Jones, he uh, left home very young at 15 or 16 and didn't speak to his mum for 14 years. And I spoke to him about reconciling with his family. And again, you know, this feeds into what you've done. Having any type of reconciliation or open conversation with your family members is so tough. And you kind of went Mm. one step ahead and actually recorded yours. And, you know, it's out there for (laughs) all to see. Um, yes. Just testament to how strongly you know you want to help in this area and how much yes. you want to help others. How do you yes. think it's changed your family since you've kind of taken that step? Uh, in the very profound and unexpected ways, it's brought us closer than anything we've faced before. Interestingly, mm-hmm. just the day when we all got together to shoot the the, the footage was. There, there was such an energy in the room. There was such a, it, it was, it, we were all vibrating like at, at a different frequency. Yeah. <laughs> because all of a sudden we had this common goal that wasn't a problem that needed solving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something different. And I think we're all also very present to how much watching these could benefit a family that's perhaps dealing with 
it in a different way or in their own way or just helping people to open those you know have open communication yeah open conversations yeah yes 100 percent. and it's already happening it's been like the response has been overwhelming like people that i barely know come to me and openly share about these massive life stories and they feel very comfortable in doing so because i've seen me do it myself and i so always it's... say people just need somebody to go first so as soon as yes. you've gone first they're like oh my god me too and to do it in this specific area on this such a massive topic like you know bipolar disorder and mental health in general i think is so important so important and mm. that's why um we decided to make it public and which is adds another layer of you know vulnerability and exposure onto yeah. the whole thing but you know the moment i saw my family go through the experience and get so many benefits through the open communication and 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 just sharing and opening up i was like it would be so selfish of me to not share this project with the world on a topic that is so still so important and sensitive and profound yeah but yet still so untalked about and i think we're seeing changes now um social media is a big help but again and you've touched on it before it's a really difficult um discussion because you've got victim consciousness you've got kind of Mm. people who have just turned it you know into being completely people deal with it in so many different ways and i think it's again it isn't just one conversation it's many people's own experiences and they're so personal to them that it's a difficult thing for anybody to talk about because you said again about the movie your your mum's point of view your point of view and your father's point of view even though it's the same issue you're all going to have different perspectives on that so bringing out this film and letting other people watch it so many people can tap into those different perspectives because you know everybody's going to be looking at it differently i guess 100 percent, and everybody's right in their yeah, perspective no, nobody's wrong you mm. know there is no such thing as wrong or right in one person's experience of trauma any trauma not necessarily just this kind of trauma any trauma in general and i think as humans we still sometimes get so stuck over trying to be right and making other people wrong and that's where most miscommunication comes from and that's where the most most miscommunication was coming from in my within my family you know Mm -hmm. we we all had this massive experience in common and like you said it was the same experience for us yes yet it was so completely different because we're all so different and we were trying to convince somebody that they were wrong and Mm -hmm. we were right and and i or you were worse off or no i was worse exactly and i suffered more no you suffered more and i put in more no you put in more it was just like it was useless conversations because everybody's right yeah and everybody's put in something or everybody's contributed something and yeah yes it's such a i mean really you've picked the most positive and beautiful way for you to be able to kind of bring this into into the world and on top of creating a business off this and obviously doing your movie you've also got your book coming out soon is that right yes yes i'm so excited about it make the shift like i said we've got such a wealth of experience and have been able to so clearly identify the most common mistake that busy and time plus business owners ceos make when trying to take better care of themselves to transform their fitness health and well-being in an empowered way 
that I was like, I've got to, I've got to write this down, you know, because if not every single one of these points, uh, some of them will apply to you. And in just addressing those, you will in- achieve incredible results. So we've, I've, I'm going to delve deep into our proven methodology and, and share as much of what we've learned in our 20 plus years in the book as, as I possibly can, um, delve into the three pillars of well-being and how you can actively implement gradual systematic change that will bring forth profound transformation i'm not for theory i'm a woman of practice (laughs) (laughs) yeah get in and do it make the change get in do it not just talk about it actually what can you actively do what are small little steps in new directions that you can take right now to start getting new results right away because those new results is what will motivate you to keep doing and keep improving and keep shifting and it's it's like it's like investment you know, it just keeps growing and getting better and improving, you know, and, but it's important to start and do something. So it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a handbook. I want it to be almost like a handbook. It's going to be full of practical tips and effective exercise so that you can actually start making changes. That's absolutely brilliant. And for anybody listening who just wants to take that first step into looking after themselves and they know that, you know, they're not feeling too great or they, they really want to make a positive change, what would be, you know, some of your tips that you would give to them? So the first thing that I suggest they do is they go to our website, www.wholeshiftwellness.com and fill in our scorecard. Um, so this is a tool that has taken us months to, develop and we're giving it away completely free because we genuinely believe it's so transformative just measuring your current level of development across the three pillars of well-being will bring so much clarity as to what it is that you can start doing to make small incremental changes so you'll get a fully yes yes and you'll get a fully comprehensive pdf report with tips and information and that that's a no-brainer you know it's free it's on the website you get the pdf report off that pdf report you've got like at least 30 to 90 days worth of little improvements you can make right away that's brilliant that's absolutely brilliant and that's at wholeshiftwellness.com yes there's a scorecard on on the top of the website i mean it's very easy to find thank you so much for coming on because you've got a really incredible story and it's you've not just implemented it in small ways to help others you're just so driven to you know have free resources for people the book the business the the video obviously coming on and doing the podcast and it's just really inspirational to hear from somebody like yourself that is so driven to helping others and and you know stopping that history repeating itself in such a huge way Thank you. No, thank you for, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to be in here. And I genuinely, I genuinely believe that the moment you start improving your health, fitness and well-being, it will have this trickle effect across your entire life as a whole. And not only that, you have no idea how many people you influence in your life. Mm. Each and every single one of us. That's why we love to work with highly influential leaders and, and business owners because they by them improving, automatically we're positively impacting hundreds, sometimes thousands of people as a result. So, you know, the, the ripple effect of positive transformation is phenomenal to witness.
Oh, really? And it's family members, it's colleagues, it's friends. You imagine this, they manage teams. So all of a sudden, they will just be different with their team, in their team. They might say things differently. They might inspire their team um, to just take better care of themselves. And then their affiliates, their colleagues, their clients, you know. Sometimes all we need is a person to just put a plant a little seed in our consciousness for us to then, you know, make the change ourselves. So, you know, we we like to think of ourselves as gardeners. (laughs) (laughs) Planting all these seeds for improvement and positive transformation. And watching um, them grow, helping them grow, watering them. Yes. That's why if you notice the logo of Whole Shift Wellness, is like this little plant, this little seedling that kind of keeps growing as you go through the, sh- the various shifts. Oh, you know? interesting. I really like that. Yes. Um, just quickly, yes. for anybody who wants to follow you on social media, uh, where can they find you? Yes. So um, Facebook, Whole Shift Wellness, um, and then Instagram is the same, at Whole Shift Wellness. And LinkedIn is my personal profile, Serena Sabala. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much for coming on, Serena. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sonia. Speak soon. Talk to you soon. Have a great one. Bye.